Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Extra Sauce Podcast. It's my fancy sauce. I want some fancy sauce. Yeah. I'm not done using it. With the czar of sauces, Greg Hill. Yeah, baby. The Wolfman Jack. Ah, I'm a big fan, Wolfman. Man, Wolfman, little, little Anthony and the Imperials. Ooh, yeah. I am. I don't know what this thing is with my voice. I don't feel bad. Like I don't. I. I. I don't know if it's a cold or like. It started Thursday where I woke up and my throat was killing me, and that, and I haven't had my voice since. But other than that, you know, what does that. What is what? Exercise. Oh, is that, is yeah. that what it is? Oh, it's terrible for you. Is it my body overreacting to yeah. actually? Oh, totally. you're, to actually... you're in too good a shape. That's, That's right. what it is. That's right, baby. It's like when uh, you know an alcoholic just stops drinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you've stopped eating anything greasy or fried. Your right. body is now like, oh my God. Right. You know, my, what's going on here? My organs are like- is that kale? What? Yeah. What? What is what that? What is this leafy what, 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 stuff what, that's what, running what, through here? What I, is that? I, I don't like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we got a great podcast for you this week, despite the fact that that uh, I'm on my deathbed, and we're going to talk with Jordan Belfort, who is the subject of the film The Wolf of Wall Street, which is an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. And he's got a book out, and uh, he wants to teach you how to sell anything. So he's going to teach you how you can sell ice to the Eskimos. Now, I don't know if that's a racially insensitive thing that I just said or not. It's an old saying. Is it okay to say selling ice to the Eskimos, or is that a problem? I, I You know, I, I can't keep track. Okay. I All can't right. keep track. Halloween, um, you can't do Halloween, and you can't, right, you know. right. You can't wear brown on Tuesdays. I don't know what's next. Well, uh, before Jordan joins us, though, uh, we are going to be joined in just a second by Benjamin Patton, who is the grandson of the uh, legendary General Patton. Uh, Old blood and guts. Yes. And, of course, portrayed in the film by George C. Scott. And uh, did he win an Oscar for that? He did. Remember, he he, he didn't accept it. Remember uh, that he was one of the guys who didn't accept it. Yeah, why was that? It though? was it was in protest of something. Now that you mention it, I can't. Okay. I can't remember. But he was one of the people that didn't accept it in protest for something. Well, Benjamin has a foundation which is called the Patton Veterans Project, and Mike Shu suggested that we get some extra sauce on a program that they have called "I Was There," in which they use filmmaking as therapy for those veterans who are suffering from PTSD. Right. And it's not it's not like interview films. It's not no. like sitting them in a chair and interviewing them. This is these are the vets in crews making actual short films and and kind of 
just letting their story out in a creative way. It's a really, right. it's an amazing. It's a very idea. interesting, yeah, and, and some of it's yeah. really moving too. It's it's a really really amazing idea. And Benjamin Patton joins us now to talk about that. Benjamin, thanks for being with us. Oh, it's my my pleasure. It's very interesting. Your you know your grandfather, your father, uh, all all served in the military. Um, was there a particular reason that you did 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 you feel the calling to do so? Did you not feel it? Was it were you rebelling or what 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 made you not uh, follow in their footsteps? Well, actually, I spent my, most of my childhood wanting to be a Navy pilot, and when I got to the door of it, you know, I looked at my grandfather's career and my dad's career, and and I just felt like you really needed to go into that field, particularly in my family, like an NFL linebacker. And I particularly think of my father's example, where he graduated from West Point six months after his father died in, in, uh, you know, in, as a result of a, car, a freak car accident in Germany. And I remember some, uh, I heard a story from my aunt that someone came up to him at graduation and said, you'll never be the man your father was, but congratulations anyway. And this is on the first day of his career, which was pretty illustrious, if not world famous, um, just as highly decorated as his dad. And, and just as great of a soldier and a, and a, and a good man. But I, so I, I just made a decision that, you know, I didn't have that burning desire to, to be in uniform per se, but service is a, really a strong uh, element and mission in our family. So the work I'm doing now with veterans, I feel like uh, is sort of uh, would make uh, the general on my right shoulder and the one on my left shoulder be smiling right now. What did your, what did your father uh, and your family think of the film and, and George C. Scott? Well, uh, it, I was only five when it came out, and I remember seeing it at a pretty young age, but <clears throat> I think my father, my grandfather died in 1945, so he didn't obviously see the movie, yeah. but my dad saw it when he was a uh, brigadier general, and I think no one really felt that George C. Scott looked or sounded like my grandfather, but they felt that he really exuded the personality. If anything, they felt maybe he was a little bit, uh, that my grandfather probably had a more nuanced personality, but no, he definitely portrayed him and evoked him, I think, in a, in a significant way. I do think that the one area where my dad and my, my aunt disagreed were, um, and people that knew him, were the fact that were, where, they said, where he said in one line that he said, I, I just love God. He said, by God, I love it. I love war. And I think, you know, from what I understand of him, he loved the game of war, the tactics of it, the strategy, the camaraderie, but not so much war per se. Yeah. I I thought it was a great film. I you know, mm-hmm. but it's it's always interesting when you actually know somebody and then they're portrayed in a, in a in a film whether they get it right or not. Uh, well, I've seen it a bunch of times. I'm going to show my eight year old whose name is Tiger the film probably in the next year, which is about when I saw it. So we'll see what he thinks. I think it's a pretty timeless film. Can you guess at what your grandfather or your father? might think about the NFL controversy with regard to kneeling for the national anthem? You know, I would say that, look, I don't think there's any real right answer on that, to be perfectly honest. I think that personally, I think my grandfather and my father were fairly apolitical. In fact, in my grandfather's era, he felt that he felt that uh, soldiers shouldn't even vote, which hmm. I don't think is, hmm. is really the right answer. But I think huh. he just, you know, in the military, nothing works if you don't do what your boss tells you to do. Yeah. And I think that they would have felt that, that, that the national anthem is apolitical and that you support the flag and you stand up no matter what. But personally, I mean, hey, you know, it's like the burning of the flag. I think these things are, are, are getting caught in the thick of thin things. I think free speech is free speech. So I don't know that they would have taken a position on it per se, but I know in their case they would have said, look, I'm going to, when that national anthem is played, no matter what I believe, I'm going to stand up and salute it. Well, it's interesting that we talked about the film because 
the Patton Veterans Project is all about collaborative filmmaking as therapeutic intervention for veterans and 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 families and i it seems like it sounds like it's a really cool project absolutely well i mean look they're they're we you know we've got 400,000 vets in Massachusetts we've got a whole bunch of them that are dealing with with uh, PTSD there's a still a very high suicide rate there are some wonderful therapies offered by the VA and other places that are very effective the big problem is that a lot of veterans just don't they still still are surrounded by the stigma of that type of thing, and they're just not ready to sit in front of a of a therapist in a, in a white coat or whatever it is and, and do counseling. So what we're doing is something is kind of a gateway. It's for people that maybe are reluctant to go to that formal step of, of counseling or treatment but, but need some way to express some of the experiences they've had uh, in theater or just in the service in general that defy, you know, that, 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 that they're reluctant and not able to communicate with in a conventional way. And filmmaking is a wonderful communicative uh, medium, particularly to communicate emotions. And so, so what we're doing is holding multi-day filmmaking workshops where veterans come together supported by professional filmmakers and create narrative together in community and, and find ways to creatively express things that they've, they've, they've been through. And that seems to have a very positive effect on their PTSD symptoms and their outlook on life. How, the, go, go, uh, the program, I just wanted to ask, the program began, I, I think, in September 11th. Is that what I read? Uh, in, well, in, in sorry, in two thousand in two thousand eleven, is that correct? Yeah, in two thousand eleven, you know, at the height of the at the height of the wars, I started wondering. I was teaching film camps for teenagers, and I, and a lot of those kids are working out adolescent identity issues, and I started to wonder whether the same process of working together in a collaborative medium, you know, how many? It's very hard to make a film by yourself, you know. And working together and creating narrative could help these soldiers that were were transitioning home and sort of coping with what you call their new norm. And it really seems to have that positive effect. So my question is, since 2011, have you been able to see any films that have actually been made by those veterans who attended the workshops? Well, again... Every time somebody attends a workshop, they make a film. So we have over 300 short films that have been made. Wow. Now, some of the veterans have gone out and gone to film school, but the objective of the workshop, and this is kind of the project that I wanted to speak about today if we have time, is, is to actually, the process of creating visual narratives with other veterans and, and it's that process that we're focused on, not so much the outcome, although, yeah. yes, there are many films that have been produced by these veterans in our workshops that are on YouTube, on our I Was There Films, uh, uh, I Was There Films org website, and on our YouTube channel, I Was There Films. So the results of the workshop are films. Now, how many of these guys goes on, go on to professional careers, that's really up to them. You know, I, I, how did you come to find that this was something helpful? Because I would never have put these two things together. I would never, well, have, you know, I know there's organizations that, or, you know, they organize like, say, uh, comedy nights or they, they go on uh, out like outdoor, like outings, like hikes and things to get veterans together. I never would have thought, oh, let's have them make films. Well, think about it. I mean, really, we know that narrative and storytelling has a great value. Storytelling has been a way of communicating down since prehistory, you know, since the minstrels and, the, and prehistoric life, you know, where they're drawing pictures on the cave walls and hieroglyphics and so forth. So, so we know storytelling is valuable. We now know that storytelling and, fair and, and, and narrative is valuable. Understanding what you've been through, articulating, expressing to others, sharing it with others. So now we, we're simply accessing the most 
easily, you know, the most ubiquitous and powerful communications medium ever devised by man. And this is essentially the YouTube generation of veterans. So it makes a lot of sense that, that they would use this device to communicate. And it's something that transcends language that, that, you know, no matter what your culture, you can understand video. And I think um, that's kind of at its basis. And the great value of this particular medium, as I said before, is that it's collaborative. It, it requires you to kind of work in community with others. And that's something that Sebastian Younger speaks a lot about. The loss of community is one of the great uh, the great impetuses for, for isolation and suicide and other things, bad things that, that happen to veterans uh, when they come out of the military is they're isolated and alone. Well, you can't really make a film alone. So that's where, that's the seed of it. For those veterans who may be listening or, or family or friends who want to recommend this to them, how, how do they go about getting into one of these programs? And are there any here in Massachusetts? Absolutely. Right now, I, you know, I know the VA is a bad word in some people's minds, but right now the, the, the VA, the new secretary of the VA is a, a pretty innovative thinker, actually, and, uh, and they are, are providing some support for us to do a, a particular set of workshops in Lowell, Massachusetts, the last two weekends of October. Um, we're working in connection with the University of Massachusetts Lowell, and we're putting on two workshops that go Friday evening, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday, on both of those weekends, and a veteran can sign up, a war on terror veteran, a post-9-11 veteran in this case, can sign up for either one of those workshops and be a part of the first ever study on collaborative filmmaking as a therapeutic intervention. And uh, so the way they would do that, and it's free, in fact, there's a small stipend provided to the veterans that qualify, um, they can go to our website, IWasThereFilms.org, and there's a big yellow banner on it that allows you to click, and then you can send me your, their email, they can send me their email number, and I or someone from my office will call them back, tell them about it, and then uh, have them go through the application process to be in the study. So we do do workshops a lot of different places, but, but going to IWasThereFilms.org to sign up is the best way, or even just calling my office, 917-326-2872, and we'll speak to them. And, and, uh, and if they're available for those, those, uh, one of those last couple of weekends in October in Lowell, and willing to give up a weekend to make movies with professional filmmakers. Uh, it's a heck of a lot of fun. They can help themselves, and they can help other veterans along the way. And in the interest of remaining apolitical, I won't say too much about this, but I will say it's nice to hear that the VA, under this current administration, is doing things like that and, right. and seems to have a, a new approach to trying to help veterans. Yeah, and I just will say that they're coming around to the fact that which people have known for a while. I have a lot of veterans that have lost so lost uh, battle buddies to suicide since coming home. They're coming around to the fact that while there are good therapies, while there are effective therapies, as many as half of veterans uh, dro- uh, that, that have uh, post-traumatic stress, you know, are just undergoing some level of stress and, and transition problems, do not seek care. And, and so this is why they are coming up with some innovative solutions like this. So thank you so much for having me on and yeah. your show. I know a lot of veterans watch your show and recommended that, uh, that I come on and talk to you. Oh, that's um, awesome. I have one question, and I'm going to ask you so, like what Greg asked you earlier, to speculate on what your grandfather may have thought, because there is that incident with, uh, with the general in Sicily where he – uh, reprimanded and slapped a couple of soldiers who were suffering from what they called then shell shock. And uh, what do you think he would think about this program? 
Well, let me say this. Of course, my grandfather died, you know, 20 years before I was right. born. Yeah. But, uh, but look, there, he, he certainly had a, a run-in with, you know, had this happen. I think it doesn't excuse him, but I would say this is somewhat representative of his generation. My father had a similar incident in Korea that no one saw but him with another soldier that left his post, and my father had a, had a moment with him. But, uh, but I, 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 look, my grandfather and my father were famous, and certainly my grandfather, for, for taking care of their troops, whether it was getting clean socks, getting good food, having the best equipment. They were both very, very well-known among their soldiers for this. So I think they, if they understand a broader, uh, a broader definition of care for the soldier, they would be very supportive of this. And what's interesting is both of them were filmmakers. We have dozens of hours of home movies shot by my dad and my grandfather throughout their lives and careers. And I just think they would be, I honestly think there's a general on one shoulder and another on the other shoulder waving me on and say, you, you take some ground and drive those tanks through, that, through the gap and, and help these vets. Well, Ben, thanks for joining us and giving us a little extra sauce on the Patton Veterans Project and the I Was There Film Workshops. Yes, and by all means, I hope they'll call in and get, get signed up for this, uh, for this workshop. I'd be happy to talk to each and everyone that's interested. Thanks so much. Sounds like a really amazing project. It's great. It's, yeah. it's great that UMass Lowell is working with them on yeah. this, too. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, the Oscar-winning film The Wolf of Wall Street featured Leonardo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort, and uh, Jordan joins us right now. He's got a new book out, which is called The Way of the Wolf, and Jordan believes that he could sell you anything. I mean, I you know, mm-hmm. is there anything that I mean? Like, what do you? I'd like to, uh, maybe a Make America Great Again hat. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's see right. if you can sell me All one right. of those. Okay, see, so right. let's see. Uh, Jordan Belfort joins us right now for a little extra sauce on the Wolf of Wall Street and his life, and uh, and I guess whether or not he can sell Mike Shue a Make America Great Again hat. Hey, Jordan. Yes. I hope it's okay that I begin this on a personal note, but I uh, had a very close friend who passed away who spoke fondly of your earlier experiences together, Kenny Schneid. Do you remember Kenny? Of course I do, yeah, yes. wow. Hey, that to... goes back, yeah. <laughs> goes way back. He said when the movie came out that you were exactly uh, as portrayed. <laughs> oh. As... <laughs> How... so, I haven't heard that name in a long time. He passed away, huh? Yeah, he did, unfortunately. Yeah, he passed away from hmm. cancer, but just a, a phenomenal guy. And I think he, yeah. I mean, I think probably... He he used a lot of your methods throughout his life. He's a pretty good pretty good sales guy. Wow, I saw I, I didn't know that he passed away. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, How long ago was that? Um, about three years ago, Kenny passed away. Yeah. Hmm. So. Um, I, how close was the portrayal of you in Wolf of Wall Street? I mean, it, it, some things were very close, other things not as much. I mean, the first half of the movie was very accurate. The second half got a little bit wacky because I actually left the... Uh, I left the, the firm um, it, it, when I gave that meeting, and um, and I, you know, in the movie he says, "I'm f- fucking, I'm staying." Right? Well, yep. that's not actually what happened. That that um, that actually, we're off the air right now, right? Yeah, no, we're good. This is good. We're, you no, can we're swear. We're podcast. Yeah. That's a good. You can you can swear. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought we were off the air. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, uh, <laughs> oops. All right, and thank you, thanks for on the uh, on the real air. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, right. Anyway, yeah. um, and uh, 
What was I saying? I almost I realized I said the f bomb right there. Um, treat it like a sales meeting. Yeah. Treat it like treat it like a Wolf of Wall Street sales meeting. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I swear. I swear. <laughs> okay, let's do a reboot here. So, um, uh, I, I, what was the question you asked me? I was in the middle of something. Uh, how close? How, how close? You were saying that oh, you yeah, right, right. So in the movie, he gives a speech where he says, you know, I'm leaving. Leaving. Screw it. I'm staying. Right. That didn't happen. I actually left in the in the real world. And I ran Steve Madden Shoes with my other company. So, um, so that, so that, once that happened, things got a little wacky because they had me doing things that I didn't actually do. But I understood why they did that. The narrative of the movie was much better with me in the boardroom. So the boardroom was a wild place. So, uh, but all in all, it was a, a pretty accurate portrayal. The book is really, really good. And I, I think what occurred to me is when reading it. After after you say it is that we're all selling something at some time. You don't have to be selling widgets or selling penny stocks or or selling shoes. We're selling ourselves to we're selling an idea to our kids or we're we're selling ourselves to a future spouse or whatever. I think that the the the, um, the biggest one of the biggest mistakes that so many people make that that are you know looking to succeed in whatever it is they're doing is they they think that sales is just for salespeople. It's just not true. It's just, it's, you know, we were always out there, as you said, you know, out there trying to communicate our thoughts, ideas, hopes, and dreams in a way that connects with other people, is interesting to them, and also gets them to say yes, take action, become a part of what we're doing. And, and without that skill, what you find is people that have, I mean, really smart people that have great ideas struggling. They can't achieve success. And, and, and the reason is because is they lack that, core skill set, which is the ability to close the deal and to, or to simply share an idea in a way that, that turns people on. And, and this book, really, you know, if you're a salesperson, the, the way of the wolf, the straight line system, it's, it's you know, it certainly increase your, I would be, you know, it increases everyone's closing. It really does. It's got an amazing track record to helping salespeople become top producers. But for those who are not in sales, it's just as valuable, if not, if not more, because, you know, it'll show you how to live a more empowered life. And, 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 and to me, to go through life and to be a smart, hardworking, industrious person and to struggle just because you don't know one thing, you know, how to really communicate, that's, that's a shame. And you, may, you never know when you may have to sell somebody a pen. There, there you go, right? <laughs> Are you, um, you happy with where your life is? I mean, you've gone through, you, you made, you, you know, you're, in the movie you were making 49 million bucks a year. You, uh, then you go to jail. You, do, you did drugs. You, did, you lost your kids for a little while. Are you happy where you are right now? I, I personally never been happier than I am right now. I mean, I have an amazing uh, woman in my life. I'm like my wife. We've been with the other for 10 years. Uh, I think happy, happy wife, happy life, right? I think yeah. it's been great that uh, has really grounded me. Uh, I love what I do. Listen, I, I love my career, and uh, you know, I invented the straight line system, um, you know, in 1988, and and it was so powerful. And the, and I, and the mistake I made was that when you have something that's that powerful, you have to be careful with your ethics and integrity because, like anything else, it can cut both ways. And this time around, when I you know went out and started teaching the straight line around the world in 2008, in the beginning. I was so careful to, you know, do with ethics and integrity and to really make sure the system was just so right on target. Uh, and to see people now for the last 10 years use the system, I get hundreds and hundreds of emails every, every month of people that have used it and, you know, it's turned their life around. And now to be able, you know, the book was difficult to write. It took me two years to write this book. And I really believe in my heart this book is going to change a lot of people's lives. And, uh, 
I look forward to that over the next you know few months to start getting the people that read it and you know to, you know to get the stories back. That's going to be an awesome thing. Jordan, I was blown away to find out Tommy Chong was your cellmate. What was what was a, a big <laughs> lesson you learned from what I call one of the founding fathers? <laughs> yeah, he's awesome, Tommy. Great, brilliant guy, by the way. Well, I think what Tommy um, taught me, uh, number one, was um, I think he reinforced to me the power of of, of actually knowing of, of having a strategy to know what you want to do. Those he told me to write a book. He, he goes, "You got to write a book," you know. And he was the one that really started the whole journey for me. Uh, but when I tried to write, I, my writing was terrible, and I actually had to learn, I had to teach myself to write. And I, I think that's one thing that people don't always uh, focus in on. Is when they want to achieve something, they have, they have a goal or a vision for their future, and there's always going to be certain key skills that you have to learn. And I took the time to teach myself to write, or else I would have never been able to you know, go on this new journey I'm on, right? Well, I think many people, they, they, you know, there's some natural one salespeople out there, not that many. The rest of them, they have to learn. They have to, you know, you know, so you take a course or read a book or something in persuasion. And I learned in that in jail that you have to learn the skills that are part of what you're going to do. And frankly, when it comes to sales and persuasion, it's part of everyone's life. No matter what you do, you're always going to have a certain aspect of your life that, that, that calls for you to share your ideas with people and get people to join in, to, to become part of it. So that was a, a great lesson. Really, persuasion, you, you say in the book, is the most important thing that you can have, whether it, it doesn't matter what you're selling. But you do offer, you know, whether it's the 310s or, you know, all of the basic parts of the strategy, you offer ways that people can become better at selling and, and, selling, and selling whatever they have to sell. Yeah, I think, listen, I think that one thing I will tell you is that, is that um, sales with a straight line system is very easy to learn. And it's not about becoming an expert, so to speak. This is good enough back there. And this is one of the things I really, really, uh, you know, stress to people is that you don't need to be an expert closer to have sales become a, a, a positive factor in your life. In other words, there's people with great ideas, right? Let's say your ideas are a 10 out of 10 on the scale of great ideas, right? But you as a communicator are a 3. Well, guess what? When you try to explain your idea, you betray that idea goes down to like a 6 because you can't explain to people. And there are those people who are 10 out of 10, and that can even make a bad idea sound good, right? Well, what you want to have is a great idea and then make it sound great. So this book, literally, the system will... Take any unless listen as long as you are you have your faculties and you want to do a little practice and it's not that much you can take the system and become good enough so that it will not be your ability to communicate that holds you back it won't be communicate you'll be good enough to get whatever you want in life and if you want to be a salesperson well then yeah you can perfect this and become a top producer and make tons of money well Jordan thank you very much for joining us with a little extra sauce on the way of the wolf and it's a great book and and uh, I'm glad you came on with us and uh, gave us a little, a little extra sauce. Thanks, man. My pleasure. All right, I got to go get some tea with lemon. And yeah, some, honey. Uh, and some honey and yep. some elm bark and uh, whatever other remedies yeah. we're offering. Crab Rangoon. Oh, yes. I, I, I'm not a doctor, Greg, but Crab yeah. Rangoon and a couple of beers, that'll make you feel really, really? good. It Absolutely. Yeah. Look okay. what it's done for me. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are back next week with another episode of Extra Sauce, our podcast. Thank you, Mike Shu. Thank and, you, sir. Uh, please subscribe if you enjoyed what you heard at iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.